Today's reading comes from John chapter 20, verses 10 to 18. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Then asked her, Women, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize, realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Mary Magdalene, someone we don't hear a lot about in Scripture, but each of the gospel writers mentions her as being first at the tomb. She was with Jesus to the end, even when all the other disciples had fled. And now, as I said, she's first at the tomb. She arrived at the earliest possible opportunity, early in the first day of the week, while it was still dark, John tells us. And that tells us just how much love that Mary had for her Lord. But you know, it also reveals the depth of her grief. Is it not true to say that the greater your love for a person, the more acute that sense of loss when they pass away? Throw into the mix the sudden and traumatic nature of Jesus' death. This has to have been a perfect storm for Mary. And so we're told she stood outside the tomb crying. She ran to Peter and John to tell them Jesus' body was gone. So they started out for the tomb, presumably with Mary, who then stood outside and stayed, even after the disciples left to go back to the place where they were staying. John tells us in a subnote that the other disciples saw and believed they now believed Mary's testimony that Jesus was gone. But none of them, says John, were thinking resurrection. None of them were thinking resurrection. In our passage, no mention is made of the sudden appearance of two angels. And I find that quite interesting. They hadn't been there when John was inside the tomb. And yet Mary doesn't appear at all to be startled. She answered their question without even asking, who are you? But remember, Mary was grieving. She was anxious. She was distressed. 
The last three days had been more than turbulent. She had looked on as her Lord was tortured and brutally killed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine see that happen to someone that you love so deeply? And now, how could she say goodbye? Jesus' body was gone, presumed stolen. Her thinking, I'm fairly certain, would not have been rational or coherent. Her only concern, her sole concern, was to find the body of her Lord, her master, her friend. Not wondering where these men in white had come from. It was important for Mary to prepare Jesus' body properly. Jesus' burial, remember, had been rushed. The tomb had to be sealed before the Sabbath began at sundown on Friday when he passed away. But I can also understand why she had to see him again. I was reading about this and seeing the body of a loved one can help us to come to terms with the loss. Having a sense of reality, helping us to comprehend that the death has actually happened. And that's even more important in the case of a sudden or traumatic death. I was greatly privileged to be with my mum in Australia when she passed away in January. I was holding her hand. It was warm. And I was talking to her as her breathing slowed. And then there came a moment I just knew she was gone. I just knew she was gone. Her body was no more than a shell. And my sister and my dad said the same thing. That's not my mum. Her spirit had departed. And yet somehow, none of that felt real at all. Because mum had fought against the odds. And she had always pulled through. I was certain I was going to wake up grateful that this was all just some horrible, horrible dream. A few days later, I walked into the viewing room in the funeral parlor and immediately, immediately reality just kind of punched me in the gut. The body was cold to the touch. It looked like mum, but it wasn't her. And suddenly it was also very, very real. I had a complete meltdown. But Jesus' body was gone. It was completely gone. It was missing. I can only imagine how Mary must have felt. I can only imagine how Mary must have felt. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look inside the tomb and saw two angels in white seated there where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Seems like an obvious question. 
doesn't it? The appearance of the angels is highly significant. Other gospel writers speak of a young man dressed in white or two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning. You see, the angels are evidence that God himself has been at work. God himself has been at work. Their striking appearance and probing question actually helped to prepare Mary for her encounter with the risen Jesus. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? Remember, there was no thought of resurrection. Just a, a few verses earlier, John said, they, didn't, they still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They still didn't get it. So Mary answers in a very natural way. They have taken my Lord away. They have taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they have put him. She wanted him back. Perhaps in days, weeks to come, this question would have been seen by Mary as a, a gentle reproof or rebuke. Mary, do you still not get this? Do you still not understand? Do you still not understand what had to happen? She suddenly becomes aware of someone else near the tomb. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But we're told she did not realize that it was Jesus. I guess Mary was blinded by grief and vanishing faith. After all, she had watched Jesus die. The stranger's approach was courteous. His questions, the probing concern of a kind stranger. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, Mary asked if he had moved the body. If he had, she would go and get it. On reflection again, perhaps this second question becomes an invitation. The second question, who is it you're looking for? An invitation to reflect on the kind of Messiah, the kind of Mashiach, kind of Savior Mary was expecting. An invitation to widen her horizons. An invitation to recognize that her estimate of Jesus, her Lord, was still far too small. And that made me ponder. I wonder how big or how small are our expectations of Jesus? What kind of God is he to you? What are your expectations of Jesus today? Jesus calls Mary by name. And I thank Ray for highlighting that in her talk to the young folks. At once, her eyes are opened. 
Her blindness is gone. She knows that Jesus is alive. She had watched as the Romans crucified him. But now he's here, standing right in front of her. Like, wow, Jesus calls Mary by name. And she recognizes him. Jesus knows us, each of us, intimately and addresses us personally. He calls us individually by name. Do you know that? Do you know that? He calls us all individually by name. Mary was blinded by grief and vanishing faith. But life circumstances can also blind us. Blind us to the reality of the risen Jesus. As Murray reminded us in his prayer, this world is so hopelessly broken. Hopelessly broken. And life, as we all know, can throw us curveball after curveball after curveball. And it can be so easy to lose hope. And to wonder at times if there really is a God. Even if you're a Christian. Let's be real about that. Is my belief all in vain? But if you do not believe. If you cannot see him. I dare you. No, I double dare you. Ask him to open your eyes and he will Mary turned towards Jesus and cried out in Aramaic Rabboni no idea if that's how you pronounce it or not I'm not an Aramaic scholar I'm sure she cried out with wonder and delight in equal measure Probably, I imagine, I can see her falling to her face and grasping him by his feet. This was her Lord, her teacher, her friend. He was dead, but now he's alive. The precise meaning of Jesus' reply is, I have to say, hotly contested by scholars. He says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. And we're left thinking, can his resurrected body not be touched? Well, we know that's not true because he appeared to Thomas just a few verses later, who placed his hands on his side and in the scars on his hands. I think Jesus was saying something like this. Don't hang on to me as if I were about to disappear permanently. I've not yet ascended to my Father. Now, while I'm still with you, is a time for joy and sharing the good news. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father. I have not yet ascended. I'm not yet in the ascended state. But I am in the process 
of ascending. In other words, I'm still with you just now. I'm not there yet, but I am on my way. There will come a time soon when I'll no longer be with you in the flesh. But now is a time for joy and sharing that good news that I am alive. That I am alive. But remember Jesus' earlier encouragement. There might come a time when he'll no longer be with them in the flesh. But this is what he said to his disciples in John chapter 14 from verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Wow. Wow. Living as a Christian can be tough. Living as an unchristian can be tough. But it can be hard for Christians to make God honoring choices. Sometimes we struggle with things for a long, long time. But let me encourage you this morning not to buy the lie that the status quo will endure, that it will always be the same, that you'll never defeat this or you'll never defeat that. That's not true. The believer is not powerless, far from powerless. Quite the opposite is true. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, lives in you. Wow. He will be with you and He will be in you. Think about that. Think about that. Are you really powerless? Jesus' message passed on through Mary is more than simply a notice that he is ascending, that he's about to ascend. He says, go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. Now, she understood that Jesus wasn't referring to his physical brothers here. Consider Jesus' choice of words. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. You see, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, his disciples now share in his sonship to the Father. Because of his death, his resurrection, and his ascension or exaltation, 
his disciples now share in his sonship to the Father. One of my favorite verses, or a couple of verses, is in Romans chapter 8. Written by Paul. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer this morning, then you are a child of God. If you're a Christian, then you are a child of God. And you also have an inheritance. An eternal inheritance kept in heaven for us. That's certainly how Peter understood what Jesus had accomplished. This is from his first letter, chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you again for Jesus. That he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Thank you that he is exalted now to the highest place and that at his name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess on heaven on earth and under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. But we thank you that though Jesus has ascended, we thank you that he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us and to live in us forever. And that because of that, we are not powerless. The same Spirit which raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive in us. For what is impossible with us is possible for you. For when we are weak, you, O God, are strong. Praise your name. Praise your name, King Jesus. Amen.